Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we envision a food system which is good for water, soil, and all life. I'm Laura Headland. On today's show, we're going to be talking about climate changed. Not climate change, climate changed. The Nobel Conference in 2019, Climate Changed, Facing Our Future, will be held at Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter on September 24th and September 25th. In studio with us to discuss the conference is the 2019 Nobel Conference Chair, Anna Versluis, an Associate Professor in Geography and Environmental Studies, and Darsa um, Donnelly, uh, Donnellyn, Professor in Physics and Environmental Communications Team, and uh, and is, she's also the Vice President um, Environmental and Sustainable Council. So welcome to Food Freedom Radio. Thank you. We're Thank glad you. to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here too. Okay, so climate changed instead of climate change. Yes. The students, I believe, came up with that. They said that uh, not only is climate changing in the future, but humans have already changed our climate. We already have warming and uh, changes in weather patterns that we're seeing. So we wanted to be sure that it was clear that we're already living climate change. Yeah, and um, you know that's that's just something hard to even take in because the world seems so big. How could our, how could our little species affect something as big as this planet? That is amazing. I have seen data that show that humans through through land use, through fossil fuel use, through impounding water behind reservoirs, we have changed so much. There's places now in Oklahoma where small earthquakes that don't do damage are common. There used to be no earthquakes there. Humans have created those earthquakes by the disposal of waste from hydraulic fracturing. So it's amazing how humans do not intend to affect the Earth system in these ways usually, but we have such an impact on the atmosphere, on soil erosion, on how um, the number of creatures and their biodiversity, and on our water supply. Right, and there's a fancy word for it right now, the Anthropocene. Did you want to talk about the Anthropocene? So the Anthropocene is uh, when we first start seeing human impacts on the climate. Right. So, I mean, but it's this idea that, um, I mean, we have changed. Um, uh, most of the soil on the planet has been changed. The climate has changed. How do we even start grappling with what has happened in a factual way? And that's the whole point of the Nobel Conference? This is the whole point of the Nobel Conference, yes. There's big questions, and I don't think anyone has all the answers. <laughs> Certainly no one has all the solutions. But I think there's really a growing sense that this is a problem, and we need to be doing more and more quickly about it. So the Nobel Conference is the first formal lecture program in the world to be given the official authorization of the Nobel Foundation in Stockholm. And it remains the only lecture program in the United States given that honor by the Nobel Foundation in Stockholm. Yes. So you guys have a long, long history. And this year you did things, you had the students were leading um, this conference. You want to talk about how that worked? Yeah, we um, really would like to see more Gustavus students involved in the Nobel Conference. And so one of the ideas we tried out this time, the, each Nobel Conference, which happens annually, takes at least two years worth of planning. And so two years ago, we offered a fall semester course that students could enroll in. And essentially, it gave them college credit for being on the planning committee with faculty and staff. So the outcome of the Nobel Conference, which themes we're going to look at and who is coming to speak, all has been heavily influenced by what the students wanted. And there is something else that happened along this way. Did you want to talk about that? Yes, so the students were so empowered by preparing for this conference and seeing what was going on in the climate that we started a movement on campus called Groundswell. And the mission of that movement was to make it known that the Gustavus community not only cares about the interdisciplinary issues of climate change, but is also prepared to take action towards climate justice on and off campus. So we had a day where we had Groundswell Day. 
um, the night before, a bunch of us went in and we painted the windows in the cafeteria to post our demands for what we care about and have fun pictures. The art department got involved. It was a lot of fun. And then on the day of Groundswell, we had uh, climate-themed musical performances in the chapel. And uh, so, and some of those pieces will be played at the conference. They're, they're composed and played by students. Yes, they're, they're very beautiful. And then we had a climate action march, which started off with us all grabbing a banana. We ate our bananas while marching through campus, stating our demands, even through the administration building. And it ended in the campus center where we composted our bananas. And then the students all took a pledge by giving a handprint for a footprint, which was painting their hands and putting it on a big poster that we made. We had a photo campaign with some hashtags the students could use, uh, five-minute phone banking sessions. The students wrote messages to the president of our college on sunflowers. And at the faculty meeting, a group of students came in and presented to the faculty why they care so much about climate change and also stated their demands, which are sustainability education, institutional investment, adjusting current infrastructure and behavior, and also transparencies. And then in the evening, we watched the documentary Chasing Ice. Ah, yeah, that documentary. I've seen that before. And he had some success. Uh, Surprising that you said earlier it was surprisingly quick success. So share some of that. Uh, yes, the students in Groundswell and other student groups like the Environmental Action Coalition, which we call EAC, and Big Hill Farm, and there's many students involved in a lot of ways, built upon a lot of work that students and faculty and alumni and others have been doing for a long time. And But last spring, we just saw a quick succession of successes at Gustavus. So Gustavus is now committed in the near future to be a zero-waste campus. A zero-waste campus. Yes. That's pretty big. Is there any other zero-waste campuses? Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge commitment. I'm not sure, but we have for a long time had an industrial-scale composter on campus. And so um, the food waste and um, the yard waste and a lot of other um, paper, anything compostable is being c- composted currently um, and used then. The compost is used on campus and, and at the campus farm, too. So zero waste campus, also cutting um, campus energy use by 25%. And the students have also asked that the general education curriculum uh, include a component of environmental sustainability education for all students. Wow, that's huge. So let's talk um, about the details. I mean, this is a public event for the Nobel Conference 55. So how do people um, sign up for it? You can buy tickets online at the Gustavus website, and you can watch it streaming over the internet. And uh, most of the talks will also be archived, so you can go onto something like YouTube and watch them later if you can't make it the days of the two-day conference. And uh, where is it located and when is this? Yes, it's at Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter, Minnesota on September 24 and 25. And I wonder if the the leaves may not be turning yet, but that's a beautiful drive, St. Peter. It's only about an hour south here of the Twin Cities. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus. It's a beautiful campus. And and this is my 12th year at Gustavus. I've never seen rain during those two days, (laughs) so we'll see. But it tends to be absolutely beautiful weather. Um, And do you think tickets will be available at the door as well, or is it something... I doubt it. Um, There are still tickets available right now, but they're selling quickly, and they expect to sell out. Okay, so... So get your tickets now. So get your tickets now, and uh, so this will be the topic for the entire Food Freedom Radio, because you've you've brought in some wonderful speakers. You want to just give an overview of the type of speakers that will be there? Mm Do you want to do that, Darcy, or should I? Um, Our first speaker is Amitabh Ghosh who is a a novelist. Uh, He's written uh, several essays on climate change, which are in his book, The Great Derangement. The Great Derangement. 
That's a wonderful title, and that seems a title that would really be fitting our human culture right yes. now. And yes. I, I, we'll be talking more about that in the next segment. So, um, who are who are the other speakers that will be at the conference? So we have a novelist, we have an activist and former politician, we have some social scientists, we have a physicist, a statistician, and I think I'm forgetting someone. A glaciologist. Ooh. So a wide range of um, disciplines that we're looking at. Um, We've really worked hard to take a, a liberal arts approach to climate change. Scientists, social scientists, humanists, and artists. So integrating. Yes. Integrating the information. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I've heard that for a lot of scientists, you know, when you really know something, it can be... Frustrating to say the least, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know all these mm-hmm. things, and so how do we how do we move yes. our culture as a whole? Climate change is not just a question of science. It's not only scientists who are studying it, because there's so many questions of how do we as a society respond. Those are questions of economics, of politics, of morality, of faith, of agriculture, of how we live our lives. Yeah, and so I, I love this quote. Uh, um, uh, Eric Nelson's behind the board, and his, this is from this is how his mother signs um, her emails from uh, Deborah Nelson, and she's been an activist with Citizens Climate Lobby. There are no passengers on spaceship Earth. We are all crew by Marshall McLuhan. So it's how do we how do we sort of wake up to our own power before it's too late? Yes. And and the sad thing is, I mean, hopefully it's not too late. But there are some people saying that we have passed the point of no return. That the climate has changed. And how do we, how do we adapt? Mm-hmm. How do we be kind and sane in a world that humans haven't been that good at being kind and sane traditionally? <laughs> so you listen to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Eat fresh and support local farmers by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmers Market. It's peak time at the Farmers Market. Lots of sweet corn, eggplants, fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meat and farmstead goods. Keep the summer bounty all year long because it's a great time to pickle and can. Look for the cucumbers, incredible deal, canning tomatoes. The Minneapolis Farmers Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Plus, there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. AM 950 is hosting a debate-watching party on Thursday, September 12th at the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. Come watch with like-minded progressives as the Democratic presidential candidates debate all the important issues and figure out how to beat Trump. Doors will open a half hour before the start of the debate. Your ticket includes free, debatable appetizers with a cash bar. We'll play a debate-themed Blue No Matter Who bingo with lots of great prizes. Matt McNeil and the Repartee crew will be there. And if you have ideas for our weekly Tuesday Solution show, we'd love to hear them. Debate-watching tickets are only $15, and they will go fast, so make sure you order now at am950radio.com. So let's watch the debate together on Thursday, September 12th at the Park Tavern in St. Louis Park as we figure out who will dump Trump in 2020. Order your tickets now at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. And if you have any questions, call us at 952-946-8885. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth? Solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to All Energy Solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com. Hi, Gregory Rich, founder and chief at Habitation Furnishing and Design, and now I'd like to invite you to kill your Sunday evenings with me right here on AM 950 with Drink in the Style. 
It's a one-hour long conversation about interior design, art, architecture, and pretty much anything else, visual and aesthetic, all while enjoying some booze handcrafted by our friends at Gianni's Steakhouse in downtown Wyzetta. Can you think of a better way to spend Sunday evenings? Drink in the style, Sundays, 5 p.m. Stop denying the earth is dying. Stop denying the earth is dying. Stop denying the earth is dying. We stand united. Youth across the world and across the country are coming together. The climate crisis should not have to be put on my generation's shoulders to fight. Yeah. It should have been done by world leaders and people in power. They should have chose our future over money. Climate change is already affecting millions of lives. I don't understand why there are world leaders that are not doing anything. Sea levels are rising and so are we. Sea levels are rising and so are we. No more coal, no more oil. Keep the carbon in the soil. No more coal, no more oil. Keep the carbon in the soil. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund. That was a news clip uh, from this week, and that was um, Greta Thunberg and Voices of Young People Rising. And our topic today is climate change. Um, there will be a Nobel conference, which is open to the public, on September 24th and September 25th at uh, Gustavus College in um, St. Peter's. And so I just so want to react a little bit to the emotion behind mm-hmm. that, or that holistic response that mm-hmm. I think we heard in that clip. One of the great things about being a professor at Gustavus is I get to work with young people. And it's really been impressed upon me in the last year, just what you heard in those clips, that young people today feel they have inherited this problem and are going to be the ones really having to live with it and feel this great um, compelling force that we need to do something about it and do it now. Darsa, I know you've worked with (laughs) students in Groundswell especially and others. Have you had that sentiment too? Yes. uh, The students just push for so much because they care and they do not want everything they care about to end with them when they graduate. They want to make sure that they're leaving behind a legacy of people that are going to push for doing the right thing when it comes to our environment and our climate. Right, because we are living in a mass extinction event, and it's almost like um, people aren't aware. I mean, and uh, King Salmon may be going out. Um, how do we, how do we, um, you know, how do we function um, and, 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 and create the courage, I think it is, to actually face climate changed. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that the problems can seem so big, it can be hard to know where to start or what one person can do. I know students can easily feel overwhelmed, angry, frustrated, and then guilty too, because mm-hmm. we can all feel like we're not doing enough. And we're all part of larger political and economic and social systems and so we don't have control over everything and so it's hard to know when you live in a place where to come here we had to drive a car mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have to come here we want to come here and so our options are limited there so you can't just beat yourself up over the fact that sometimes you know you might have to use a car to drive somewhere but now let's go. We'll talk about the conference, and and so the conference is a way of of putting all this information together and integrating it as to what the cutting edge scientists know right now. Um, and um, on September twenty fourth, the Nobel conference. I was there last year. Had a yes. wonderful time, and I have to start with the opening ceremony. So you, you want to talk about the opening ceremony? The um, Gustavus does an excellent job of combining arts and music with science and the humanities here. And so there's, um, I believe this year, there's going to be a drum circle um, that the conference opens with. And then I believe also there will be a processional with students um, in a band playing music as well. 
but there's wonderful music at the Nobel Conference. So yeah. it's it's a it's multiple concerts as well as an academic conference. Great. And then okay, so let's get to your first speak. Your first um, speaker is going to be a a, a, a a crisis of culture, arts, literature, and the humanities. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, Amitav Ghosh is um, a very famous novelist. He's who, a rock star. He's a rock star. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm definitely going to be asking for his autograph. <laughs> um, he's 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 known for his novels, and he writes a lot um, about South Asia, where he is from, and um, the um, issues that arise from post-colonialism still affect people in our world today. Um, but he's also written a series of essays on climate change in this book called The Great Derangement. And he is one of, um, I think, the best read um, people out there. He's reading what the glaciologists are writing, what the earth scientists are writing, what the physicists are finding, what the political scientists and the economics. He's just reading across the board and, and synthesizing all of this. So one of the things I get from his book, The Great Derangement, is he says that climate change is a problem that has arisen out of modernity, the mm -hmm. modern world. And we keep trying to address climate change with the tools that modernity has given us. Mm -hmm. And this maybe isn't going to work for us. And so he talks about a few of the tools, one being the novel. I'd never thought about the novel as being uh, sort of a, a creation of modernity, but he says it is. And how the novel has had such a hard time, how fiction writers have had such a hard time addressing climate change in fiction, outside of maybe science fiction. Hmm. And he talks, too, about how our politics have arisen out of modernity, and they, too, have been very ineffectual at answering this. He looks at the Pope's encyclical on climate change and has is, is more hopeful about the types of language and things he hears coming out of that. Mm -hmm. So he has some really interesting um, analyses that he does in his book. Right, because you know, actually, books have changed um, culture. But the, um, uh, the Sinclair Lewis has um, changed to the way a lot of the, the meat and a lot of the factories. When we had these uh, yes. the grapes of wrath, we had um, Mark Twain. We had these novelists that were actually leading cultural change, yes. and that helped mo mobilize change and historically. But yes. where are those books when it comes to our climate crisis? There's some really excellent books that try to address it, but yes, nothing that's you know completely taken. I think all of the United States or something like that. We're maybe still waiting for that one. Waiting for that one, yeah. And so, tell us a little bit more. What does he mean by the word derangement? <laughs> Do you think? Oh, that's a hard one for me to answer. I guess that in some ways, yes. We're just so incapable of responding to this problem we've created. So it's almost like we're deranged in some way. We're frozen and deranged, and um, and 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 it's and, and so yeah. So you were very pleased to get him, and he's going to be the speaker on the first day, the twenty fourth. Um, and then um, there'll be um, after that, there's going to be a, a climate change and learning lab with a sustainability showcase. So then you you can hear from a leading person like that. Then you get a nice break to walk around and get mm -hmm. some solutions and talk mm -hmm. to people. Um, more music. There's lots of music. And then at one o'clock will be uh, climate has always changed, sometimes abruptly more evidence that humans are changing the climate. You want to talk about that presentation? Or actually, we're going to be going on break a little bit, so we're just going to tease. That's going to be what we'll talk about next um, on that segment. And that's uh, Dr. Richard Ellie. He's a glaciologist coming from Penn State University, a, a very famous glaciologist who's known for being an exceedingly engaging speaker. Cool. You want to check him out. Check him out. And also check out Nobel Conference uh, September 24th and 25th at Gustavus College. I don't
Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at Seward.coop. Our climate is in crisis, and it's time we talk about what we can do for our future. So let's talk about solutions at the 55th Annual Nobel Conference, Climate Change, Facing Our Future. It takes place September 24th and 25th at Gustavus Adolphus College. Seven leading thinkers address climate change, inviting you to consider what tools are available, what research efforts do we require, and what kind of people do we need to be to conceptualize and address global climate challenges. You are invited to consider how the changes to the Earth's climate system are vast, without precedent, and of such magnitude and scale as to potentially alter life itself. There will be over 4,000 people on campus for the Nobel Conference discussing these issues. You're invited to attend one or both days to experience the presentations and Q&A. There's even a live stream you can watch. So let's talk about causes and consequences of climate change and our responses to the challenges it presents to us as individuals and as a society at the Nobel Conference. Again, it takes place September 24th and 25th at Gustavus Adolphus College. Full schedule and tickets at gustavus.edu slash Nobel Conference. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. When you need legal assistance, let the Hennepin County Bar Association help you find the right attorney. They have professional, experienced referral counselors who can connect you to vetted attorneys practicing in a wide variety of areas, including employment, divorce, custody and support, bankruptcy, taxes, and much more. Take the stress out of finding a lawyer. Call 612-752-6666 or search for Hennepin County Bar Association. The right call for the right lawyer. The Audubon Center of the Northwoods on Grindstone Lake west of Sandstone offers a great variety of environmental learning experiences for people of all ages running year-round. But did you know you can book your own event here at the center? Check out our lakeside dining hall and the variety of lodging and meeting accommodations available. Visit us on the web at audubon-center.org or call 320-245-ACNW. The Audubon Center of the Northwoods. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Saturday, cloudy with a high near 68. Sunday, chance of showers, high near 62. And Monday, rain with a high near 66. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning's triple saving sale gives you three ways to save up to $2,500 on a new furnace and AC this September. Learn more about these great savings at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, comfort you deserve. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nurse the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hetland, and we are in studio with us is Anna Versluis. She's the Associate Professor in Geography and Environmental Studies, and she's also Chair of the Nobel Conference 2019. And Darsa Donnelly, she's an Assistant Professor in Physics, and on the um, she's Vice Chair of the President's Environmental Sustainable Council um, from Gustavus. And so we've been talking about the big conference coming up again. So tell us about, um, it's September 24th and September 25th, yes. uh, Nobel Conference. Um, and um, so it's on the 24th. You will also have um, Dr. Richard Alley. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Richard's background? Yes. So um, Dr. Alley wrote a book called The Two-Mile Time Machine, and that's looking a bit at paleoclimatology. So if you take a two-mile piece of um, ice core, you get these little bubbles of past atmosphere in them, and you can study those and see at times when we actually did have abrupt climate change in the past. 
Because sometimes I hear people say, well, the climbs always change and they're just making a big deal out of it. So is there a, is there a response to that? The climate does always change, but there's excellent evidence that humans are the ones currently changing it. All the other possibilities, the sun does change, the uh, galaxy <laughs> changes, the tilt of the earth changes, all of this affects our climate. But none of those explain the changes we're seeing in climate right now. So go more into detail as to what um, Dr. Richard Ellie has been able to do with those the two-mile time machine. How does that work? Can you explain that for a general audience? So he studies paleoclimates or past climates, and so he has seen that there have been times where there are threshold events or abrupt changes in the climate system that lead to um, rapid changes in the state of the climate. So he, we've asked him to talk about what the potential is for that going into the future and if things that humans are doing to the climate will lead to this potentiality of a, of a threshold that we could cross. Now, this is a, he has some, he has a very um, alarming uh, potential that he raises. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the people listening right now may not be able to hear or go to the Nobel conference mm -hmm. so they can hear it on tape. What's the scariest, what's the alarming part that he's talking about? I have one possibility that's happened in the past is that the thermohaline circulation of our planet's oceans would slow down or come to a halt. Should that circulation of the ocean change like that, that could have drastic repercussions for uh, regional and global climate. Okay, so can you go a little slowly? What's that word again? Thermal? Thermal haline circulation. So um, the name is, it sounds like a mouthful at first, but if you break it down, it's actually helpful. Thermo has to do with heat. And so one of the factors driving the circulation, it's also known as deep ocean circulation. Mm -hmm. And it's often called a conveyor belt that's mm -hmm. pulling vast amounts of water slowly through all of the Earth's oceans. So it's driven by changes in the heat content or the temperature of the ocean, and it's also driven by changes in the salinity, and that's what haline stands for. So it changes the density of the water, and when water becomes more dense, it sinks to the bottom, and that's what's driving this This. this circulation. So in the past, during the Pleistocene Ice Age, we had, for example, these glaciers melting as a glaciation would recede, and they all that meltwater would collect in some large lakes, like Glacial Lake Agassiz, which was in partly mm -hmm. in Minnesota and what is now like uh, Manitoba and the Dakotas. And there's um, we can look at the records and see that lakes like that sometimes broke free and huge amounts of fresh water entered the North Atlantic. And fresh water is not saline, so it changes the density of the ocean water and changed thermohaline circulation in the past. So what are humans doing today that could possibly have a, some sort of change like that? Right? And there's lots of different possibilities. That's just one. That's a lot of Okay. All right. And so um, then in the afternoon, um, how we respond to climate change and meet our goals for sustainable development. So we, how do we respond? And um, the speaker there, do you want? Diana Liverman is a geographer from the University of Arizona. She uh, has worked a lot with the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is an international group of scientists compiling all the latest and greatest of research done on climate change. So she is one of the lead authors of um, a current IPCC report that just came out this summer. And we've asked her to talk about the fact that as, as we need to change our lives to address climate change, we also can't forget that there's other problems we need to also be addressing, like poverty, like hunger, like refugee crises. So she's going to be looking at how do we both address poverty and climate change. Right, because it's not an either or. And it's a lot not. of times, like the culture wants to say, oh, we got to do this or this, but we have to find ways to do both and. Yes. And the migrant immigration crisis is also driven by climate change. That is a good possibility. Yes, Diana Liverman actually questions if we have good data to say that's actually the case, but certainly we know that um, that's a good thing to suspect. We know that people's livelihoods, especially those 
in agriculture are being more and more affected by changing weather pa patterns from climate change and then disasters, natural disasters as well. And this is a food show. Let's talk, one of the big solutions is with food systems, yes. how we can adjust the food systems. Do either of you want to address that? So, you know, if the last year at the Soils Nobel Conference, mm -hmm. um, there were two talks that really um, looked at that because it was all on soils, and two of the talks were particular to climate change. And um, so Ratan Lal is one of them, and he's coming back to Gustavus this year as the Rydell Professor. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Yeah, because I went to the conference. So he said most soils have lost 25 to 70 percent of their original soil carbon pool, and about half of the Earth's surface is used for agriculture. Yes. Um, so 70 percent of global fresh waters are with drawn for ir irrigation, and yet one in nine people is food insecure. Yes, but he is quite hopeful that we can address food insecurity while also addressing soil erosion and climate change. Mm -hmm. So it's really the same things need to be done for all of those, which is great. Well, let's get back to uh, uh, the idea of modernity and, you know, maybe colonialism type of thinking doesn't do that as effectively, but maybe other type of thinking, like you have a human, hello, I'm a human, maybe human type of thinking can be more effective at actually um, creating effective change. Yeah, and the practices, Ratan Law says, we need to store more carbon in the soil, because the whole point is we have to get the carbon out of the atmosphere and in other places. The soil would be a great place. Um, involve things that are not necessarily terribly expensive, um, like no-till practices, cover crops, um, ways to trees. stopping erosion, mm -hmm. agroforestry. Agroforestry. Yes. Um, okay, so, um, and then uh, there's climate Change, change workshops also um, in the afternoon on the 24th. So how does that work? What are some of those? So the workshops are um, meant to be more interactive times and smaller groups where um, conference attendees are going to be interacting with each other and the people leading the workshop. So um, there is one, um, you mentioned earlier, the Citizen Climate Lobby. Mm -hmm. So we have folks from CCL coming and they're leading a workshop on how to talk so politicians will listen. Mm -hmm. um, we have others on um, how to have difficult conversations about climate change. How do we eat our way out of climate change? Um, another about indigenous responses to climate change, um, working with the idea of trauma, and we need to heal ourselves before we can heal Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different options there. We also have some scientists coming to talk about um, the work they're doing in places like studying tropical glaciers in the Andes and looking at methane release from Arctic lakes. Does anyone want to talk about methane? And can I just sigh off? Can in case I mean I think our audience knows about methane, but I just want to sigh it out. Uh, yeah, methane is also a greenhouse gas. Um, I study the atmospheres on other planets, and some of those planets have um, greenhouse effects that are caused by their atmosphere having being filled with methane rather than carbon dioxide. But we do have methane in our own atmosphere often. Um, from uh, the byproduct of farm animals. Right, because that's one of the leading, leading drivers of climate change is, is, is cow toots. Yes, the digestion of, a, of grass, which is carbon-based, produces methane. Okay, okay. So, and then um, on, we're still on the 24th. So on the on the 24th, then there also is um, a Museum of Art opening reception, um, some other art galleries. And at 8 o'clock, there's re, um, a medi meditations on Earth and kind of a, it's more than a concert. The evening will be a conversation through the arts of music and poetry that contemplates the issues of climate change through creative expression. Yes. And um, some dancing on melting ice? Uh, yes, that's going on um, at a couple times during the day. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yep, that's a I'm fun day. To that. so, so that's on the twenty fourth, and then let's tell let's talk now to uh, uh, Wednesday, September twenty fifth. Again, um, a wonderful opening, beginning with music, and then the first speaker is um, everything is connected: environment, ecology, foreign policy, sustainability, human rights, and leadership in the twenty first century. Mm -hmm. yep. And that talk will be given by Sheila Cloutier, who is a Canadian Inuit advocate and also a climate activist. She she is the author of a memoir, The Right to Be Cold. Um, and that, that's looking at, she's, she's from the Arctic. And 
the the changes in temperature there are happening twice as fast as other parts of the world. And she says, what happens in the Arctic does not stay in the Arctic. So seeing everything that's happening there, and sometimes we can, it's easy to ignore that, but it is affecting us as well. And she does have the right to be cold. She does have the right <laughs> to be cold. So why does what happened in the Arctic affect me? And the Earth system is all connected. The atmosphere does not know just one country or another. Right. So her point is that we can't just say, well, that's that's too far away. You know, here in Minnesota, we don't live on a coast. So do we have to be afraid of rising sea levels? We don't live on a low lying island nation. So do we have to be worried about increased hurricane intensity? We don't live in the Arctic. So why do we care that there's less sea ice? All of these things will eventually impact Minnesota, and we have lots of data showing that our ecosystems in Minnesota are already being impacted by climate change, and good projections showing that that will increase in the future. So, um, and so, I mean, at 10.15, I mean, I still go back to how depressing all this is. I... It can be. It's a big problem, a global problem. But I don't think it's too late. I don't think we can give up hope. And there's lots we can do individually in terms of the choices we make every day and even more so as group, as a group. As a group. And that's, I mean, um, there's so many wonderful conferences. If we, if, we, if we have that, like, if it's really a crisis, our, our nature is to, is to care about each other. Yes. And to care about um, life, to care yes. about trees and water yes. and manatees. Yes. And polar bears and justice and the future. Cats. And what? Cats. And cats. Yes. And, and we dogs. need leaders and artists and scientists who will bring this out in us. And that's what, there. that's what it's about. Nobel Conference. Eat fresh and support local farmers by shopping at the Minneapolis Farmer's Market. It's peak time at the Farmer's Market. Lots of sweet corn, eggplants, fresh and local fruits and vegetables, meat and farmstead goods. Keep the summer bounty all year long because it's a great time to pickle and can. Look for the cucumbers, incredible dill, canning tomatoes. The Minneapolis Farmer's Market is open every day, 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Plus, there's additional locations Tuesdays at the Hennepin County Government Center and Thursdays at Nicollet Mall. More details at mplsfarmersmarket.com. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com, from classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. Stop in the wine bar and enjoy a unique pizza loaded with fresh vegetables and perfectly roasted meats. Over 30 wines by the glass, Cafe Latte highlights Washington State wines and is the perfect destination for date night or an evening with friends. 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Victor's 1959 Cafe has been serving South Minneapolis traditional Cuban food for over 15 years. Victor's is open for breakfast and lunch daily and now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try the Pollo Tropicale or the Sandwich Cubano, which was featured on Food Network. More at eatlocalminnesota.com. Most of us try to be careful about how we eat and the safety of our food. At Total Dog Company, we believe in giving our dogs nutritious, safe food, too. We offer a variety of kibble, canned, and frozen and dehydrated raw foods. We study ingredient lists of every food we sell. and We don't sell products that are primarily vegetable protein or that contain generic proteins, byproducts, fillers, or artificial preservatives. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. 
The Center for Spirituality and Healing is offering mindfulness-based stress reduction, an eight-week course that will help you learn about the physiology and science of stress. You'll learn about taking control of your life, being aware of influences that affect your health and well-being, finding peace of mind, and returning to balance in a chaotic world. Discover how to consciously deal with stress, pain, illness, and the challenges of everyday life. Beginning September 19th, space is limited. Register now at csh.umn.edu. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. Um, we're talking about Nobel Conference 2019, Climate Changed, Facing Our Future, which will be held at Gustavus Adolphus College in St. Peter's on September 24th and September 25th. And when we left off, we're talking about what's happening on the 25th, um, models and observation in climate change, understanding the past and predicting the future. You want to tell us about that? Yep. So that speaker will be Gabrielle Hugrell, um, and that's who I'm going to be hosting. And you got a fancy dress for it. I do. It has it has uh, climate change data on it. Um, so, uh, Gabrielle is very very fascinating. Uh, her PhD is in applied mathematics, and she studied the fluid dynamics of human swallowing, which is a bit far off from studying climate data. But while she was in grad school, she would often go hiking in the Alps, and she noticed that some of the maps. Uh, depicted where glaciers would be that were no longer there when she was hiking. They had receded. So this got her very concerned for the environment. So uh, she applied for a postdoc to do climate simulation work at the Max Planck Institute. And that really got her into it and studying what are the fingerprints of climate change. She's done lots of studies, and some of the first studies that show that humans' influence on surface temperature is detectable and separated from natural influences. And the methods that she used to do that are still the primary methods that are used today. Yeah, because we hear the, the, the glaciers melting is very problematic for a lot of species because it's all connected, fresh water for millions of people. Um, and then, um, and again, there will be, um, at the, the lunch break, there'll be um, a change lab and a sustainability showcase, more music. And then at 1.30 is kind of a controversial one. Um, how might solar geoengineering fit into sound climate policy? Yes. You want to talk about that? Yes. We're happy to be hosting David Keith, who's trained as a physicist. He works at Harvard University. And interestingly, he's in two different um, departments there. He's both in applied physics and in public policy. He has written a book for a public audience called A Case for Climate Engineering. It's a small book. You could probably read it in one sitting. And he makes an argument that we should at least be discussing as a possibility doing research into climate engineering. And his favorite uh, mode of doing this would be to try to mimic what volcanoes do. Volcanoes spew a lot of stuff into the atmosphere. And including sulfur aerosols. And in the atmosphere, these aerosols act as little mirrors that essentially reflect some of the sunlight and cool the earth. So after a large volcanic eruption, you can actually see that globally the earth's climate cools. So this is his proposal. He says it's feasible. He says it's cost effective. He says the risks are not that great. And we should at least be doing research on this. We'll see if he convinces anyone. Well, it sure would be nicer not to need the solution. Um, but, uh, but you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, a lot of t- people talk about it as like sort of the back pocket solution, though. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, two fifteen is beyond climate solutionism. Mike yes, Hume. the final main presenter is Mike Hume, um, who is at Cambridge, and he is a climatologist who started as very much as a data scientist looking at climate change, um, and. Later in life, he's become more interested in thinking about how climate is both a physical phenomenon, but also a cultural phenomenon. And in that sense, we, at least partially, socially construct the climate. And what does it mean as we move into this future where there might be options, like what David Keith, the climate geoengineering physicist, is saying, where we can decide what the Earth's climate would be? 
I don't know. I mean, that sounds, I mean, it's good information to have. It also sounds sort of non-humble, which I think is what most moral traditions teach, is how to be humble and honoring the world as it is. Yes. So it's, um, so four minutes. This is the Nobel Conference, Nobel Conference 54. Um, What are you, what is your hope for this? You've been working on this for two years. What's your hope? I hope that we stimulate more interest and action at the individual level, um, at the level of Gustavus, and nationally and internationally, um, for people to really come together and feel like we can do something about this. So I hope it's empowering. Well, and that's where, I mean, when I think of the cultural stuff, I think historically whatever happened in the late 60s, people were, um, sometimes something did rise, and we did make a difference. And the, the, um, a, a lot of legislation was passed um, under Nixon. But it wasn't Nixon that was leading it. Of course, it was the House of Representatives. But it was public people getting together and caring. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is how to ignite that cultural movement. <laughs> Yes, and seeing the students at Gustavus has just been this amazing experience. It brings so much hope to us. You can't feel jaded and cynical when you see what these students are doing and how well they do it. And I want to go out again with that clip from the students um, um, uh, with uh, Greta Thunberg and and this, this movement of young people saying, our future matters. Yes. And life matters. It does. Okay, so last two minutes. How do people get information? How do they sign up? The website, um, gustavus.edu backslash Nobel Conference, will give you bios of all the speakers, all the schedule, and uh, links to where you can purchase tickets. And even if you don't buy tickets, you can go online afterwards and listen to all these presentations. Yes. So everything will be streamed live. So you can go to that website. And if you can't make it to St. Peter, you can watch it from your own computer live. And then most of the talks will be archived later so that even five years from now, you can go back and listen to them. Right. And it's not only lectures. There are often Correct. there's a lot of breaks. There's discussions, a lot of music, a lot of art. Dancing on Melting Ice. Yes. So we call these uh, the seven main presenters, but they, after a couple talks, there's a panel. And all of the presenters get up there and they talk with each other. And that's always the best part because you see the arguments. There's laughter. People like or don't like what other people said. It's great. And we take audience questions, too. And so even if you're not there in the physical audience, you can text in a question as well. You can text in a question. Great. Tweet it. Tweet it. The hashtags Nobel 55. Cool. So are you optimistic about the future? Our students make me optimistic. Yeah, and so does this noise. Let's, let's play that tape again as we can kind of go out on that. Because I, I just, I do feel it in this this voice. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I also am optimistic, but I know we have to make our own optimism. And I'm also really frustrated. Because yeah. it just feels like it's going so slowly. In fact, mm-hmm. it seems to me like car efficiency has gone down. Mm-hmm. The evidence for climate change is going up, but our remedies, we're just not moving anything. So... So you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio, and check out Nobel Conference 54, September 24th and 25th at Gustavus College. Uh, Nobel Conference 55.